welcome to Stories to Learn By. My name is Adam Meek. You should know me. Most of the people who subscribe to this have either followed me on Twitter or LinkedIn or some nonsense like that. Um, I'm here today with Dale Bennett. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> nice to be here. Great, brilliant. Dale, um, for for most, most of the people who listen to this podcast are in the world of learning. So you're kind of in it kind of not in it do you want to tell people a little bit about what you do yeah yeah sure um i think that's a really good explanation straight off the bat really um <laughs> so so i originally got hired uh into the into the learning world as a, a videographer so purely i would set up cameras uh, i would be given interview questions to ask and i would learn all this weird and wonderful stuff in lots of across lots of different industries um and and yeah i was literally shoot and film go back and edit and that that was it but since then which was probably five and a half years ago now uh, it's kind of evolved so now i've I, my, my my title my official title is is i'm a senior content producer um with a focus on learning so now i sort of understand the learning industry a little bit more and i sort of work with uh you know our clients and whatever and build out learning objectives and you know i do the whole process now from you know the the preliminary kind of understanding of what what people want build that out into a consumable piece of content uh still obviously do all the all the fun shooting and and creation of it and editing as well but it's i find myself a lot more heavily involved with uh with the actual like, like creation of, of the learning content itself so it's no longer just the actions of i don't know you know editing a video shooting a video interviewing someone it's now actually why are we doing this that sort of thing yeah so and to be fair it evolved slowly i think and almost straight away so I came into the role and thinking it was just going to be shooting and like getting nice B-roll and like being really creative, which it was and it has been. Um, but, you know, it, obviously it was, I come from a like a creative background. I've always been like really into storytelling and creating story-led content like through university doing short films mm -hmm. and documentaries. And it was about adapting that into the learning and development world. And it, it did, did actually quite well you know there's some, i've heard some crazy stories as you can imagine um uh and and yeah it but but from from that it it's really now focused into you know yeah especially the editing process as you can imagine that's where sort of like the magic happens the capturing process is is literally what we're doing here is having a conversation with someone um which you know i'm pretty good at i think um <laughs> You know, but a, yeah, a, lot, a lot of, you know, a lot of when I film, I've got to learn to shut up. That's my problem is I. <laughs> I have that, I have a similar problem with this. I like, I, I sit on my hands to make try and try and get myself to shut up because otherwise I just rabbit on. So this should be funny. Um, just coming back, tell us a little bit more about the, the short stories and documentaries that you've done outside of learning. I like the idea that that sort of served you in the content that you create now. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, first of all, obviously, it started at university. I, I was doing documentaries for, for, for my university course. Um, one around spiritualism. That was a fun one. 
Mm. And, you know, it was this, uh, the idea, we did it in a group exercise. We kind of said, all right, this is going to be our focus. We started off our let's do religion. And it was a part of the moment. Spiritualism was kind of in the media at the time. Uh, and we found these subjects and it was literally what we do now, finding the subject matter expert, the, the, the key to a good documentary is to have a good subject, um, you know, subject being the person in the, in the film. And what obviously you can imagine in the realm of spiritualism, we we found some weird and wonderful people, some willing to be on film, some not so willing again, kickback that I get now. Um, but really it's, um, yeah, it's all the same principles are there. You ask the right questions, you know, you get to know them. Uh, the more you get to know them, the more, you know, you know, the more so for documentaries, the more personable stuff which comes out. Sure. Um, but yeah, so we did it on spiritualism. We did uh, stuff around um, uh, like comic book artists, I remember. Actually, that was one of the documentaries I worked on with Ryan. Oh, nice. um, because we went to university together, Ryan McBride and I. Um, Brilliant. Because thieves. Yeah, yeah. About 13 years or so in the making now. So, um, or relationship. Which is mad to think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I, and short films, uh, we did everything from like little chase sequences um, to, you know, I've done work. I've, I, so that, that's what, what I've been heavily involved in. I've also, uh, I did a few little bouts for ITV as a, as a lesser role, as like a grip. So basically anything the camera sat on, I was in charge of. So dollies, you know, tracks and all this kind of cranes and all this stuff for a few ITV dramas and stuff, um, which was another sort of creative role, really interesting. Took me here, there and everywhere. Uh, I always tell this story about being this close, you know, really small, like really close to to working on Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Come so, on, let's hear it. Well, it's, it? so I was on, I was on a an ITV drama filming in uh, an abandoned docks for I think it was a drama series called Oh God, uh, the Last Weekend. It was a three part drama series. Okay. Um, and I, I was the only reason I was getting these ITV jobs was through a, through a guy, you know, that's the, that's the way into TV and film. Obviously you got to know people. So I knew this guy and he was taking me along for, for sort of, you know, six to nine months, giving me regular work and it was great money, you know, fair enough. It was long hours. A lot of the time I was away from home and whatever. Um, but I loved it and, uh, working, working, working. And then I, i met another person on that shoot. So we're on this dock last shoot of the, of the thing. And I didn't have any work teed up afterwards. Um, and he got talking, he was like, oh, I'm flying out to Ireland and, uh, you know, doing, doing game of Thrones shoot. And I was like, Ooh, well, I've heard that was a, cause I think this is in 2009 or whatever, 2010. So it was early doors. And I was like, I've heard that's pretty good. And we exchanged numbers and, and he took my link like basically I wasn't able to go because I wasn't qualified enough if if my link didn't go right okay yeah. and then all of a sudden like, everything was teed up we were we were, we were just about to to do the return email to confirm that, that we were going to book and go out there for a period of time and uh my link had uh, saved up enough money and I think this was at the time that Greece was in um like uh, uh, liquidation and selling all of its assets he found a, a Porsche 911 that he could get for a steal. So he just sacked off work and he just flew out to, to Greece, bought this 
Porsche really cheap and drove around Europe for, for six months and left me like, you know, up shit creek without a paddle, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it, I was pretty, I, I, literally after that, that was my last gig. And then uh, I had a young family at the time. And um, I just, I, I, was, I started working night shift at Sainsbury's. That was my only option from at that point. So it was, uh, yeah, you know, it was such a, a contrast. I go, went from working on all these ITV dramas, then all of a sudden I'm a night shift manager in Sainsbury's. And then literally that was my, that, that was my um, last job. And then I got the job at Fuse. So it's like back and forth, back and forth. It's, but those are basically the only three jobs I've ever had. So that's brilliant. I think I've done a few, I think I've done more than that at Fuse. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, that that's, that's brilliant. Uh, that's really interesting because that, the creative industries is, is is a funny one, right? Like you, you're almost you're paid not just for what you know, but what you can create rather than what you do. I think that's the that's the really interesting bit about what you do now, right? Is that whole, you know, to your point, interviewing someone's really difficult, right? Asking the right questions, getting the right answers out of someone uh and then being able to to edit and almost script a narrative through whatever you get out of that person that's one thing that's a massive thing to do because you could anyone can point a camera and other people and they, i guess that's the uh the difficulty in and in 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 comprehension between people seeing i've got an instagram i'm a photographer you know not quite the same thing Right. <laughs> I've got, you know, I, I feel myself on TikTok. I must be a videographer. Mm, not really. Yeah. Uh, and it's that level of, uh, of jump to, to, to art, I guess, is the point. Right. Um, wasn't, there was going to be something that I wanted to jump back to. I can't remember now. Tell me about um, you mentioned the young family. You, mm-hmm. How old's your is daughter? Is it one? Yeah. 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 She, to be fair, she's got literally a week today she'll be eight years old wow yeah yeah ruby's her name she's she's awesome she's super cool keeps me grounded um <laughs> you yeah, have no yeah. choice with kids right like they, they, they don't get a big head they'll soon put you down <laughs> yeah no definitely um yeah but she oh, she's great she's like she's like my little sidekick and whatever she's really really cool cool eight is a, a fun age as well right like they're almost you know they have character before then but um you can do stuff like yeah that makes sense yeah no definitely it's, uh, she, she's been like it like for a good few years now like i'd probably funny i was just w- w- like sifting through archive of old photos and videos mm. the other day and just to see her character it hasn't changed she's still the same thing it's just you know she's more articulate and she's cleverer yeah. like and um I've always, but even, you know, like how when babies are born, people do that kind of cute thing. Oh, you know, and talk to them. Like I've always spoke to Ruby, like I'm speaking to you now. I've always spoke to her like an adult. Um, and I like to think it's, it's helped, but as a result now she gives as good as she can, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, she, she's, she's clever for her age. I've always said, but um, yeah, conversations with her are always very interesting because she, I'm sure it's the same with most kids, but she comes out with some mad stuff. <laughs> Empowered is you know, rather yeah. than give it. Yeah, that's uh, nice. And um, one of the things, so me and my wife, uh, my wife's a 
child development expert. So she's gone on to be like her works in social work, but she did her degree or one of her degrees in child development. And we always found it really odd that our youngest, like her language was really good really early on. And so one of the things that I did was I recorded like her pitching in during story time. And then last night we were playing the, the story that we had read together uh, at when she was like barely two uh, to, to send her to sleep at what she is now, which is nearly five, which is, uh, it was really, it was kind of like weird inception of her yeah. listening to herself tell a story to put herself to bed. Yeah, really strange, but really one of the most rewarding things I ever did. Uh, I tell everyone who has a kid, record their voice, record their voice, tell them stories, you know, get them to yeah, tell yeah. stories back. It's, um, did you did you read uh, to Ruby really early on as well, like tell her stories when she was going to bed and all that sort of thing? You know what I did? And I think this is a, could be another good tip and trick. I, I used to I used to make up stories for her, but it would always be based around what we had done during the day amazing to help like recall so you know yeah. i've always been fascinated by you know i'd almost like to talk to your wife about child development you know what i mean yeah. always been fascinated in that kind of thing and when actually the brain kicks in and starts recalling because i don't know about you i can't remember anything no nope. like like very <laughs> or like very little you know what i mean i think my first so people say oh my first memories from when i was four or when i was six i'm like give it a rest like i can <laughs> You know what I mean? I, I get that to an extent, but it's always, you know, oh, because I saw a picture of myself or yeah. I, I, you know, and obviously like our kids, it's going to be like, oh, I saw a 4K video of me. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> you know, it's going to be even even more so, uh, you know, triggered by uh, like media. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, yeah, I basically every, every night I'd, I'd have her or whatever and she would, she would come over and I'd say, you know, I'd picture it, like make it fantasy princess ruby it was called the story of princess ruby so you're like right you know today princess ruby went for a walk in the woods or whatever or like you know she, she decided to like take her bike out for the first time and it was you know it was that kind nice. of thing um and then it obviously got more into story as she got older or whatever she got into like storybooks and and now she reads to me when like she goes to bed like she'll have a book from school she's got to read or yeah um she's she was really into like a detective series um like a short detective uh, series that she was reading kids obviously not not like uh you know anything too <laughs> graphic or mad but poirot or uh, yeah <laughs> what was the other one uh cracker cracker, cracker? yeah was it was robbie coltrane uh when he did yeah, yeah 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 it was that was cracker yeah anyway i said jesus i never should have been watching that i think i was about five watching that <laughs> uh, my parents are terrible with media ages i was talking to them actually like do you remember what, i don't know we're a similar age and i think that like when we were were kids it was everything was either fine or 18 like and not fine do you know what yeah, i mean yeah like, there was no was, gray area yeah yeah it was either you know uh violent sexist da 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 da, da or it was freddy krueger and you seem to be fine with, you know, the things that were really violent, but you weren't fine with Freddy Krueger. And they never understood that. But now there's so many different levels. I find it really interesting. Um, Disney have moved from the traditional, you know, whatever it is, U, PG, 15, 
or 12, 15, 18 to mm. literally every year. So if you go on Disney Plus, have a little look. Yeah. They have, you know, two, two plus, three plus, That's four it. plus, five plus, six plus. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I found that really interesting. I only noticed it the other day because um, you they ask you for all your kids' ages. And I'm like, no way am I giving them my bloody kid's birthday. Da, 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 da. And then yeah. I realized what that was for. Still don't want to give them my kid's birthday. But, um, but it's yeah. weird, though, isn't it? That, that's a I think that's over complicated. And I think Disney's a difficult one because there's that there's obviously the media like when you and I were growing up watching Disney films, we mm. did, like barely had the Internet, I guess. <laughs> but we uh but we, we also didn't have access through social channels. So like now there's so many controversies around Disney, certain Disney films and, mm. you know, what they're like, if we're going back to like, like creativity and film theory or whatever, it's like what they connote, you know, what it actually means is it, there was this whole thing around our, is, is, uh, are disney movies um you know derogatory there was uh the mm. the whole thing around there's no uh like female uh leads and also the fact that there's like like sexual innuendos and connotations yeah. in there and it's i don't know maybe they've taken that into consideration in their like age thing or not but you know who well, knows it's there, there was I, there was a warning that came up the other day for Timon and Pumbaa. Do you remember them from Lion King, right? Yeah, yeah. And Timon and Pumbaa, it was an episode of one, their TV series where they showed native people. Uh, yeah, and yeah, your your face says it all. To to describe De- Dale's face, he looked in the other direction and went, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> no, well, he didn't, but you know. That, yeah, no, like, yeah, I was thinking it. Um, but yeah, you can imagine what it was like. It really, you know, it was, and it said that this talks, uh, it, the warning was uh, this episode has uh, derogatory references to uh, to people, uh, to na- native people or people of colour, one of those two things. Um, mm. And so it was really interesting that they have, they, someone must have sat down and watched them all because there's no yeah. way you were automating that and going, actually, no, this ain't right. Um, or it's reported or something along those lines. So it's really interesting how Disney have approached that and almost said not, um, it's not like they're apologizing for what they uh, created, but like they understand that the world's changed maybe. I don't know. And you know what? I completely appreciate the world's changed. Uh, However, we can't, we can't go back on ourselves. Otherwise we're not going to progress. You know, we can't, we, you know, I, I understand, you know, maybe there is a certain amount of like apologizing for something that's happened, but when it comes to something as, you know, ingrained in our, uh, the world as everybody knows Disney, you know mm. what I mean? And everybody knows that there wasn't someone going, Oh, I'm going to be racist in this bit or, Oh, I'm going to be, you know, horrible to, to women or, or this minority or whatever in this scene. It was just, it just was, you know what I mean? Like, or, or in, on reflection, it just is. Um, but yeah, I think you, we've got to see it for the time it was made and just be like, Oh, that was a weird time. <laughs> And just say, you know, if, if you, you know, choose to watch it or not, you know. Yeah, this this is, I guess, it probably comes back to the, the whole argument of, um, you know, whether you can appreciate art created by someone you don't like. 
you know, R. Kelly is that 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 one that people are, are talking about. Well, of late, um, there's loads mm. of examples over it. I think um, Roald Dahl uh, is uh, apparently a um, or apparently uh, is, is is questionable as well. Wrote loads of essays on um, on white supremacy and things like that. Uh, I've only heard that secondhand, so so. Um, yeah, don't quote me, but uh, but uh, but the this idea that you can separate, you know, Roald Dahl from his books, R. Kelly from his music, to the things that they've done with them, I think is really difficult when you then bring money into to to, to play. You know, what R. Kelly did was using the money of his art that his art had gave, given him. Um, to do horrible things. Um, don't know if you can argue the same for Roald Dahl, um, but it's yeah, it's um, it's a really interesting subject. Probably not one that I know enough about, to be honest. Uh, no, but I mean, just I mean, high level. It's uh, just with the the R. Kelly example. It's like it's like would it have happened that way if he hadn't have like had that financial. You know, if he hadn't have been an artist or whatever, would it have happened the same? And if it did, would it have mattered as much because he wouldn't have been in the public light? Not mattered as much. Obviously, it'll still matter. What he did was horrible, but would we be? Would everybody be so aware, or would have everyone? Well, if he made his money a different way, like say, I don't know, he he, he sold toilet paper. Would we <laughs> be? Um, you know, rather than selling music, he sold toilet paper. Would we then boycott that toilet brand? You probably would. I don't know. You probably, yeah. And again, it just becomes a, a, a thing of like, what's his status? You know, what's his, sta- his status as a as a public figure? You know, does he have a lot of uh, like clout or, you know what I mean? Is he? Well, is yeah. He- well, did that information get into the public sort of uh, front of mind, I guess? Mm. So one of your hobbies, uh, golf, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I've been I've been playing golf um, sort of on and off since I was about seven or eight. Really, I had lessons really young. Um, yeah, my dad, my dad sort of like like got me lessons, and I play with him every now and then uh, and stuff like that. But like through the pandemic, I've been uh, I did this crazy thing actually last summer where I'd get up at six a.m. I'd walk to my local golf club with golf clubs on back. I would walk around to do the nine holes and then walk back in time for work. <laughs> so I've managed to, yeah, that was, that was pretty, that was pretty good fun. Um, but yeah, as a result, like I sort of, I started taking it up again, um, which has been really good fun. Is there anything else that you've ended up doing in lockdown that you didn't do before? Did you, did you learn a new skill? Did you, you know, become vegan or anything like that? What happened? <laughs> Nah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think I'd ever like because I've I found out I had Crohn's earlier this year, and everyone okay. like people uh, who don't know what it is, it's an autoimmune disease, and like people say that you can like, adjust your diet or whatever. But uh, I love food too much; like uh, it's, it's so bad. But like, I just I can't do it. I uh, I dated a pescatarian for quite a while, and you know when we sort of got like into that stage where it was like, we don't care anymore. Mm. I was just like, I'm, I'm going to cook a steak at your house and have no regret. 
you know what I mean? Like, like she was fine with it as well. I didn't just go in there with like a book, like a like a sack of meat on my back and be like, deal with it. But you know, it was it was a mutual understanding type thing, you know. Um, but yeah, I I I've adjusted my diet. I do exercise every morning, which is good. Um, probably something I wouldn't usually do, but you know, I I, I do do stuff I wouldn't usually do. As yeah. you've probably found yourself, I go out for walks. I'd never go for a walk, not around my area. My area. So I said earlier, I come from Bedfordshire. I live in Luton. It's, <laughs> you know, you know I've I've been to Luton probably a dozen I'm times. Sorry, I'm no. sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, and every single well, most of those dozen times was for a horrible reason that I won't go into. But uh, but a couple of times that I went for work, um, it's. Uh, it's a weird place. It's like, it's a big shopping center and then a lot of sprawl. It doesn't. doesn't... Shopping center has gone downhill. (laughs) It was never good anyway, but like it's got worse. And I I look at it and like, there's like, I'm, I'm moving soon. I'm going to move to Buckingham more, you know, obviously now I can, I can go Buckingham or like my daughter and her mum live up in Northamptonshire. So I might move up there closer to her. Um, but I don't have a local pub. Yeah. I do, but I wouldn't step in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's 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 just not that type of place, uh, basically. Um, it is a weird one. It's got an airport. That's where everyone knows it, usually. Yeah, cheap airport. You can always get cheap flights from Luton. Uh, and you know what? I've had many a cheap flight from Luton. So for that, I thank you. But otherwise, um, yeah. My my favourite thing about Luton is the the mention it gets in a Plan B song. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, Luton, yeah I listened Luton. to it the other day. Yeah, well, or no, not Luton. Get a mask and cover your face or something along those lines. When it was yeah. about the, the Tottenham riots, where they mm-hmm. went looting down the, down the high street after uh, rioting um, because of Mark. I can't remember his surname. Um, the funny thing is, like, <laughs> conversation escalation is a funny thing, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. now my um, my mind's running to uh, to Mark, who I grew up in Tottenham, and so Mark was uh, the the partner of my next door neighbour for a short period of time, and that was a bit bizarre. Then, like, seeing his face plastered on on all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, it was Mark. I can't remember his surname. But anyway, um, but yeah, it was, uh, and I was, when, when all the looting happened, I was living in Essex already. Uh, my parents left, left Essex when, uh, when I was, I want to say 17, 18, I actually was in Japan and came home and they're like, yeah, we've moved. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, I, 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 I'd like to think they let you know before you were like arrived at the house. Or... Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, yeah, yeah. I didn't turn uh, up to the door, um, but they didn't. They, they did let me know, like when I said, "Right, I'm on my way home now," sort of thing. Yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah. When you get to, to, to London City Airport, yeah, walk across the road, get on the, 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 the C to, uh, not the C to C, the Greater Anglia train, and go out to Clacton on Sea. Oh. And the, the funny thing is, my mum and dad want, wanted to leave Tottenham to, to have a little quieter life. Speaking to them <laughs> at the weekend, and they were like, yeah, Clacton's mad. 
the um you know down the street there's like this drug addict down there there's someone getting shot stabbed da, 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 da. i'm like what is clacton on sea it's like <laughs> but they were talking about how the fact that there's the unemployment rate there is like 70 percent or something silly yeah <sighs> like if you, my grandparents used to live there to be fair yeah and it used i think it's i think it is still quite a nice place to actually live if you've got a job <laughs> but that's well, such a few a small percentage of the people that um yeah must be quite difficult did you ever see that tv series um where it was it was about a place called jaywick which is near clacton i know jaywick yeah 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 that's a, i grew up on that coast to be fair mate yeah yeah yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but I, that? yeah I used to my grand my dad my granddad used to um, own a string of caravans up this up the seaside, you know, in in those little caravan parks. That that was my that was my childhood holiday for a lot of time, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was mine and all. We would we would. Um, that's why my mum and dad went there because uh, they they just like they liked the idea of what they had, you know, that that oh the caravan going to the sea. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, that's it. Didn't do it. Um, but um, yeah, no, I do remember the the, the Jaywick TV series though. I definitely do. Yeah, it's, it's it's a um it's a bit bit of a weird place. Like it's removed from everything. It's mm. it's an old caravan park and they've just put semi permanent buildings on there and then put thousands of people from who were in council houses in London um there. Uh, but what they don't realise is they go down there, they take the trip, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is nice. I get a bigger house, get get to see the sea. You know, I've got no hope really of uh, of getting a job or anything in London, so I'm, I might as well be out here and have the sea." What they don't realise is that one bus in and one bus out a day. Wow. You think that these places don't exist in the UK, but they bloody do. And it, oh, and that bus is like five pound a head. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. You so yeah. Don't know where I'm going now. <laughs> you know what? I I can I, I'm happy to just riff, mate. You know, I was I can I can go anywhere cool. from here. Um, from holidays. Here. We can talk. We went to holidays a little bit. Yeah, what yeah holidays. holidays. Hol- I tell you what. I could tell. I could tell the story of where I was just before lockdown. That could be a good one. Go on then. So tell me, so, where, uh, what have you been, where, where were you before lockdown? Where you I were? was in, I was, I was in Uganda. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's a great story. That's a yeah. great story. Tell uh, me I'm, about Uganda. Chock full of them. So yeah, we, um, so early, early, well, no, early February last year, 2020, um, I get handed a, standard job from my boss Ryan he says oh you know just uh, look at this I've been handed it Steve's working with uh, an organization through Fuse School let's uh, build out a video for them to help support what they're trying to do I looked at it I was like all right cool and uh, I've got a, a habit of uh, going above and beyond saying all right this is the art of the possible right because yeah. I love it I love I love a challenge and I love you know doing that basically and um I was like, wow, you know, what they're trying to do is amazing. So there's this organization called Hello World, and they're going around to impoverished communities around, at that point, Uganda. They've done Nepal and other impoverished areas, um, and they're setting up internet hubs for these communities. So they donate all the hardware um, and 
you know it's all it all runs off solar and they then give the community and the surrounding areas to that community whoever's willing to walk within you know mm. however long to get onto the internet for absolutely nothing it's free and i was like oh my god like this is amazing um mm. and the idea of this you know they're called hello hubs uh is i think i from what i gathered i was like well you know what how they're facilitating the communities already so they'd get involved in the build so they're teaching them engineering skills and building skills and you know that's you know like bricklaying and stuff like that as as they build this hub and i was like well how about we facilitate them one step further so we can get to a point you know in line with uh, like educational learning content why not create a how-to guide for them so so what i said it, uh, you know uh, bearing in mind originally this was supposed to be one video this is what they do here's the video. And I said, well, what about we do this, you know, how to guide where like we go out to Uganda and you know, shadow you on a, on a, on a complete build and interview you in that process, like teaching the community and also capturing that knowledge and create short video pieces, building mm -hmm. out a learning plan. So at one point, once it's completed, we can give the communities, you know, drop a crate in the middle of Africa, like in an impoverished mm. community, um, along with a preloaded iPad with this uh, content on it, and they can just build it themselves. They'd obviously have access to somebody to troubleshoot. But um, yeah, and th that's what we did. Uh, it <laughs> was, so I did, but it all happened like that. So, so begin beginning of February, I got given the piece of paper. I sent off a content proposal which is part of our process, just like a script of like, okay, this is the content that we want uh, or that we believe will be best to, to, to do this. And yeah, Steve was like, cool. Yeah, we'll do it. Like send two of you out there. So it was me and colleague Allison. Um, but all this happened within three weeks. So I had to get vaccinated for yellow. I'd never been to, I'd never <laughs> been like, I obviously I'd been abroad. Yeah. Like, but I'd never been to uh, a developing country before. So I was like, both excited and really nervous. Um, it was an eye-opening experience, you know, from end to end. But as I say, everything happened so quickly. I was, I didn't really have time to get myself like mentally ready for it. Mm. Um, but it was amazing. Everyone out there was amazing. The, pro the and what they were doing with the build and the community was great. And their process of like making sure the community's like really bought in is like a big part of it. And and we captured and we're still in the process of creating the videos now like wow. it was such a big obviously because it was a free job and we do it in between yeah, yeah sort of client facing work and stuff like that but i think i i seriously underestimated the the gravity of uh of, of what, what i'd sort of suggested to do but um yeah it was it was an absolute op opportunity of a lifetime it just so happens that obviously it happened just before lockdown um yeah so you know we, we were out there for two weeks and um we we'd done the five day build and uh, we like i think we had one day off to explore um uh the chimps we went to see the chimps in in a nature sanctuary which was epic amazing that, that's so cool like it's I, I, this is the weird thing about uh learning isn't it it's that Stop buzzing, bloody phone. Um, <laughs> the this is a weird thing about weird thing about learning. You do end up in weird and wonderful places. Um, there's no two ways about it. 
I, before Fuse, I worked for a Dutch company um, and they, they were bizarre in that they, they, they managed to get like loads of people subscribing to their content and the content's great. Like it's, it's, it is great. It's really, like they do mini documentaries and stuff, but they managed to get loads of people subscribing to their content and making money really, really quickly. Um, and, uh, and so they decided that they would take people places and start recording, uh, sort of, uh, they'd start doing documentaries. And so one of these documentaries was, um, they went to all of these different sanctuaries all around the world, which were like, uh, you, you go in and you, you hand over your phone and then you have no phone for a week. Uh, and this is, you know, it's but exactly, it sounds a really silly thing because, 20 years ago, just handing over your phone for a week. Uh, now, handing over your phone for a week must be insane. And, and yeah, and they, they were doing similar things, going all over the world and just recording these sort of documentaries. It sounds like such a nice thing to do until you do it. <laughs> and then <laughs> until you've got to hit a deadline with editing and stuff. So I imagine. Yeah, yeah. That's um was a it's a weird thing. Uh, so how how many years ago was this? Like was it? Would you say it was about sort of seven, eight years ago? What that video that they made? No, th- like that when you were working with this Dutch company. No, no, it's three years ago. Oh, three years ago. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's, I t- it's yeah. My, my my little brother worked for a Dutch company as well. Very similar scenario, and this was uh, about sort of like seven, like six or seven years ago. And I kind of thought. Well, maybe it's the same one <laughs> chance no. but no although two and a half years at fuse does feel like seven some days uh <laughs> <laughs> um no 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 it definitely was only two and a half three years ago oh, um that's really but yeah cool, yeah yeah it is weird and like i was we're talking about um the way that creatives make their money with uh on on twitter as talking earlier with a co- uh, former colleague and um and we were talking about Skillshare and masterclasses and things like that. Have you have you sort of dipped your toe into that that area as well, or have you looked at them? No, <laughs> in short, in short, I haven't. No, I haven't, and it's 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 really weird. Um, like I am one who learns myself from doing. I'm a, yeah. I, I like problem solving. I will ask for help from the internet, and I will do that. But I love a technical challenge. Like that's un- yeah. Tell that's tell me weird. about your your drone because I know that when you first got that, that was uh, that's a learning curve and a half, isn't it, to drive those things? Yeah, it was. Yeah, to be fair, it kind of came to second as second nature to me. I started flying a drone. Um, re- well, I have been flying drones rather for about eight or nine years now, like the bigger wow. ones as well. Yeah. So I started with my friend's one who had the the DJI Phantom 2. Um, and yeah, but, but even before that, I just, I bought like a mini one off of Amazon for like 20 quid. <laughs> and for those of you who have fl- tried to fly one of them, it's next to impossible. Um, but I, I got to a point where I was having to correct it because no, nothing's ever stable and balanced or whatever. So I was having to correct it so much uh, that, that, you know, I managed to, I could fly it through like windows and in and outside. And, it, you know, I, I had a handle on it. In fact, in the office, uh, I think we're going back about five years before I got the drone, 
um, I took my miniature one in and flew it around the office um, just to show like how much control I had and whatever. I was a bit of a show off, if I'm honest. But um, yeah, as a result, um, these bigger ones now that work on GPS stabilization. So we use the DJI Mavic Pro. Um, it's, 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 it flies itself. You know, I don't really have to do anything, but what I did have to do was go on a three-day course and understand, you know, how to read aeronautical maps and understand the weather inside and out and basically become, do the first steps that you do to become a pilot um, to, to fly um, sort of uh, legally, commercially uh, through the, the CAA and stuff, which is kind of the hoops I had to jump through. Um but cool. I love it to have that on your CV, you know, uh, you know, mini, mini drone pilot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's up to, it's up to 20 kilos I can fly. Wow. So you could start delivering Amazon packages soon. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wait, I'm waiting for the, for the job spec to, to be produced for that. You know, have you seen, you seen those those ridiculous ones they've got like they look like um a caterpillar with wheels just like a fat caterpillar with wheels that they, they're they sort of delivering weird things in oh yeah i saw that yeah i think my brother bumped into one of them the other day my big brother i'm sure he sent a video of it i don't know where where is your big uh, your brother based Is it, like i thought they were in the states only i didn't know they were in the uk as well I don't know. Or maybe he just sent me a video that was from the States or something. Someone sent me a video somewhere and I remember seeing it. It was like a delivery yeah. service thing, but yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't look like there's any sense of urgency, <laughs> no. you know, <laughs> no, it's like, no, that one thing just plodding along, uh, take 20, 20, 20 hours to go to 10 miles or something. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of picture it like, um, a big van drives out somewhere and drops off 20 of them and they just all like go out the back of the car and off to deliver their packages and then they come back. Um, yeah. I kind of, I'm not being funny. That is a visual for me. Yeah. Like it's, it you'll be sitting out of a car doing a van pulling up and then all of a sudden all these little creatures, like robotic creatures just peel off the side of it or something. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the picture that I, I, I kind of want. I hope that they get to like, it, it does. It is bizarre. I don't know. It's um, uh, yeah. I think it's uh, when a company has maybe has either too much money or they're too bored or whatever. Uh, well, it'll they, be Amazon, wouldn't it? Yeah, it will be. That's, they're going to be the first ones. And, you know, I think they were talking about drone deliveries like four or five years ago now. And, you know, there's probably a lot of health and safety in it. So uh, I was working with a, a client to build out this uh, concept of a future town, what a town in the future in the UK could look like. And obviously we had a, I, I did a bit of scripting for it, but prior to that, we had an internal call with some of their stakeholders just to mm. spitball some ideas. And obviously everyone said, oh, we'll drone stuff. So I was writing this script about it the other day and I was like, well, you know, I kind of had to put in then like have a nod to, to drone deliveries. And I was like, well, let's be sensible here. I was like, like this is going to be like up to a maximum of 10 kgs, you know, I, and, and even that falling from any decent height is going to do some damage to <laughs> anyone or anything in it. So I don't know. It's a, it's a good idea, but <laughs> I feel like they've, they've got a way to go yet. Yeah, oh well. Uh, Dale, I think I'm going to call it a, a day here, mate. It's been uh, lovely to just catch up and chat shit. 
uh, because <laughs> you know, because uh, most of our stuff is all very, very serious. Get it done, get it done, get it done stuff. So to do this has been an absolute joy. Thank you very much, mate. Yeah, really enjoyed it, mate. Cheers. Thank you.